0: Talk with you this morning about how there's provision in the seed. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn them over to Mark, the fourth chapter. Provision in the seed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Provision in the seed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't he wonderful? Thank you, Father. Well, let's just pray for a moment. Hallelujah, just pray in tongues. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just sense the Lord saying, for you've looked at the circumstances. You've allowed the circumstances around you to dictate to you whether you're going to be happy or whether you're going to be sad, whether you're going to have joy and peace whether the affairs of life are going to bring you down. But I want to tell you this morning, says the Lord, that it's not too late. Take your eyes off of the circumstances and put your eyes on me. For I will not lead you astray. For there is a direction that I want you to go. And as you begin to move in that direction, I'll show you the steps. And you but have to take it one step at a time. And I will lead you into total victory. But it begins with the first step. You desire to see it all. You desire to see the end from the beginning. But have confidence in this, know this, that I already see that. And though you may not be able to see it, Put your trust in me and know that I'll take you one step at a time. Oh, there's things that have happened in your life that you question. But now is not the time to question. Now is the time to believe. Now is the time to put your trust in me and know that I'll lead you from victory to victory, from glory to glory. But know that if I showed it all to you immediately, you would not be able to handle it. But I'll show you the way. And as you walk one step at a time, you'll experience greater victory than that which you've ever experienced before in your life. The enemy would say that it's too late. But I would say that it's the beginning. So look to me, follow me. Be confident in this, that I'll not disappoint you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know who that was for, if it was for many of you. But I receive it in Jesus' name. And so what I want to talk with you today is about the word. The word. The word is so important. I know that we hear it over and over and over again. Even the parable of the Seed and the sower, you've probably heard it numerous times from numerous preachers. But it's such an important truth for us to get a hold of. For Jesus himself said that if we don't understand this parable, we won't understand any of them. And this principle is so important in our lives and so many different levels that we need to get a hold of it. And, you know, we here in the middle of Iowa, in the middle of corn country, we have such a advantage over many because this ought to be a parable that just naturally we can understand. Because if we understand the farmer planting the seed and the significance of that, we understand the importance and the significance of us taking the seed, the Word of God, and planting it in our heart. Now we have an enemy. You know, the Bible refers to the flesh, the world, and the devil. And all of those things want to distract us. The number one thing that they want to distract us from is from the Word. Amen. And the reason is because without the Word, we have no victory. Without the word, we're on our own. Now I don't know about you, I've proven <laughs> that I can't handle it on my own. But you know what? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so let's begin in in Mark the fourth chapter. <clears throat> let's look at the 17th verse, and it says. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Well, we need to back up. I got ahead of myself. Let's go to the 14th verse. The sower sows the word. What is the sower sow? The word. And so this word is the seed that we're talking about. And so the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. They hear, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. And so the seed is sown, and the enemy comes immediately to steal that word. And of course, we've talked about the importance of the word and why the enemy wants to steal it immediately. Because if he can steal it before it has taken no root. It's, no, it's not difficult. And so he's come to steal the word. <clears throat> you know, what does what John 10.10 John 10 say? It says that the thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so this tells us something very significant about the word. Because if he can steal the word from us, he can steal, kill, and destroy. He can bring havoc to our lives. The only thing that'll that'll keep us on solid ground, the only thing that'll keep us in the victory is the word. Yesterday, I had this revelation. I'm getting old. Some of you think, well, pastor, we've known that about you for a long time. But I realized it yesterday because, <clears throat> as most of you know, I was a plumber for 12 years before I went into the ministry. And so our lavatory was, has been leaking in our downstairs bathroom. And so Thursday I bought a new faucet for it. And so I got under there and, Tore the old one out, and I'm putting the, the new one in. And of course, nothing can come out easy in my house, and so I'm struggling with it. And you, you got to get up in there and you know move around. And and so my shoulder began to hurt a little bit. And and uh, but I, I stayed with it. I made the sacrifice, and I, I got the old one out and. I got the new one in and it actually worked. But I could get my arm this high. The pain was amazing. And so I'm, I, I, I mean, this is how much it hurt. I couldn't sit on the couch. And that's horrible. You know, but I could lay down and it didn't hurt so much. And so I'm laying there. I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. And I finally came to this conclusion. Either the word of God is true, or it's not. Let me tell you something. I've been pastoring now, this this year will be 38 years. Been pastoring here for, this year will be 36 years. Been born again for over 40 years, 45 years. Been walking in the word of faith for nearly 35 years. Heard healing all of those years. But let me tell you something. On a regular basis, we have to make a determination. Is this word true or is it not? It may be every time you look at your checkbook. You have to make a determination. Is God's word true or is it not? Will he supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory or will he not? So I had to decide something. Either this word is true or it's not. And so I had a goal for yesterday and I thought it had gone out the window. I went out and I took all the stuff out of the, lights out of the trees and off of the top of the, the, around the house, the lights, and every time I brought marma. up, either it's true or it's not. Either it's true or not. Did you notice that? Yeah. How y'all done? And you think, oh, it's no big deal. Well, let me tell you something. When I was laying on the couch, on the verge of tears, it was a big deal. To me. You know what the enemy's telling me? Is you're probably having a stroke. I can't remember if it was your right arm or your left arm. So I, I thought, I think it's the left arm. So I, I had a debate with him. But listen to me. He wanted, a, he, wanted a, he wanted me to sell out. He wants you to sell out. He wants you to give up. He wants to what I say, this, this Bible stuff, this Word stuff, this Christian stuff, there's nothing to it. It's just that preacher on Sunday morning wanting to take our money away from us so that he can live high on the hog. Now, I like hog. Mike says, amen, brother. But you know what it's about? It's about whether or not we're gonna believe the word of God or not. And that doesn't mean that we don't ever have a battle along the way, because there are battles along the way. Now, if it's fallen on the roadside, guess what? We, it's immediately stolen and we say, well, I guess there's nothing to it. Well, let me tell you something, after 40 some years of seeing the faithfulness of God. I'm convinced he's faithful. But I also realize that the enemy isn't gonna give up. Even Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, tempted by the devil and he overcame the devil, the Bible says that he left him till a more opportune time. You know, the key is how many opportunities are we giving him to steal from us? But let me tell you, when we become weak in the word, when it's not familiar to us, what happens is that becomes an opportune time for him to come in to steal, to kill, and destroy. The same account in Matthew Don't turn away from Mark because we're going to come right back there. But in Matthew, the 13th chapter in the 19th verse, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. You see, it isn't just enough to know about the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. And with knowing comes understanding. You know, you can know about me, but that doesn't mean you understand me. You gotta get to know me to understand me. Now, you may not like it, once you understand me, but you gotta know me. And that's how it is with the word of God. We need to know the word. But then it goes on into the 16th verse. And so this is a, you know, the first was a seed that was sown on the wayside and the roadside. It had no root. The enemy came and he stole it away. And it says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word of God, the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. Did you hear that? They have no root in themselves. You know what, every one of us, we need to be a part of a, a, a church that believes, that preaches the word of God that when we know that we have a time of crisis in our life, they'll pray for us and they'll pray for us in faith, believing, expecting something to happen. You know, when I pray, I expect something to happen. Amen? I don't pray expecting nothing to happen. I grew up in a church that way. We prayed because that was the same thing to do, but if anything ever happened, we were surprised. People come up and they say, Pastor, you wouldn't believe this, God did such and such. What well, did you pray? But we're shocked. We should never be shocked, surprised when God moves. I remember sitting in my office one time feeling stressed. Because there were needs out there that I prayed for and hadn't seen the manifestation. And I was thinking, God, it would have been so much easier if I just remained in the denomination that I grew up in. Because then I could have just prayed for people not expecting anything to happen. But I expect things to happen. We ought to have expectations Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There ought to be expectation in our life. You ought to expect that your life is not going to be the same tomorrow as it is today. And I don't care how old or how young you are. There ought to be a continuous expectation in our life. And why is there? It's because of the Word of God. And so he says... These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word of God immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root within themselves. And so endure only for a time afterwards when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Why? Because they don't have it within themselves. We need one another turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Now turn to somebody not related to you and say, I need you. We need one another. But you know what? There's a point where you can't depend on anyone else. You have to have the word of God for yourself, every one of us. We need this word. It needs to be alive within us. Then we go down to the 18th verse. And it says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones that hear the word of God and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, you will not find in the word of God that God does not want you to be blessed. He says, I desire for you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God says, everybody say God says. God says, I desire for you to prosper. So God isn't withholding anything from you. But what he wants us to do is to trust him, to put our confidence in him. You know, as individuals, we are very capable. We are very capable within ourselves to succeed, to do things on our own. But you know what, we need to be in a place where we're continually reliant upon him. If all that I'm doing is what I'm capable of doing, I'm not dependent upon him. So sometimes we need to stretch ourselves a little bit, to put ourselves in a position where we need him. You know what one of our problems are here in the United States of America? Is we have this idea we don't need God. That we can do it in our own strength, we can do it in our own ability. We have people that are going to church every Sunday, but they don't really believe they need God They're there because they're fulfilling some obligation. We are not obligated to God, we are dependent upon God. Well, Pastor, that's because you're weak. I know that. Well, you just use God as a crutch. You better believe it. I've got Jesus under one arm and the Holy Ghost under the other arm. I can't make it without Him. And if you think you can, you're just simply deceived or you're not accomplishing what you ought to accomplish in life. And so what happens is, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, they're a lie. They promise that they're going to satisfy you, that they're going to make your life complete. But why is it that people that have all these things are oftentimes the people that are out there looking for something else. And guess what? They're not looking for it within the kingdom. They're looking for it outside the kingdom. They're trying to find it in drugs. They're trying to find it in alcohol. They're trying to find it in having an affair. Why? Because all of their efforts have not satisfied them. Because there's only one that will satisfy, and his name is Jesus. And so when persecution comes. When people say, oh, you're, you're one of them. You know, for years I've wanted to put an article in the paper and I wanted to title it, That Church. Yeah. Oh, you go to that church? Yep, <laughs> yep do. Ain't ashamed of it either. Yes, I serve that God. His name is Jesus, and there is isn't another. Well, you're narrow-minded. No, I'm just on a narrow path. <laughs> you see, the path is narrow that leads to life. We find that in Jesus. And then it goes on and it says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. It must say good ground. In fact, say I'm good ground. I'm good ground. You know why? Because my heart is turned to Jesus. I'm open. I'm not closed minded to the things of God. And it says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Isn't it interesting, even within being good ground, you can be good, better, best. I thank God that we produce 30-fold. That's a nice harvest. But I've not run into a farmer yet that'll settle for 30-fold when they can have 100-fold. And I ought not to run into a Christian that would settle for 30 or 60 when 100 is available to us. That's why none of us have arrived until we see Jesus face to face. What that means is there's always potential for growth. There's always potential for that word of God to bring truth and revelation to us as never have before. You know why? Because we have an enemy that's out there continually trying to steal from us. And as long as that enemy remains, we need to realize that we're in the midst of a battle. And we need to be willing to put up a fight, to put up a front. Let's turn to Galatians. the fourth chapter, do you realize that within every seed is the potential of everything that that seed is to become? It's within that seed. And when we receive the seed, the Word of God, when we receive Jesus Christ, the potential of all that we were to become was released within each and every one of us. Now, the word is unique from the standpoint that it's the seed, but it's also the water that waters the seed. And that's why the word is so important for us to hear it on a regular basis, on a continuous basis, because it's through that word that we experience the growth, that brings about the victory that belongs to us. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it talks about the natural and the supernatural. Talks about how Abraham operated in the natural and he operated in the supernatural. And how when he operated in the natural, it produced it produced an Ishmael. But then when he went over into the supernatural, it produced a supernatural son, Isaac. And what that portion of Scripture proves to us is that we can do a lot in the natural. But oftentimes what we have is we have a lot of Ishmaels running around in our life because we operated in the flesh rather than operating in the spirit. God wants us to operate in the spirit. And you know what, even though we have great potential in the natural, we can still have this mindset where we're trusting God, we're looking to him. And even though we do things in the natural, it produces a supernatural outcome. Because guess what, for there to be Isaac, Abraham had to have intercourse with his wife. And that natural action produced a supernatural response. That's how it's to be in our lives. There are natural things that we do. You work naturally. But when we keep our eyes upon Jesus, he can bring a supernatural result out of that. He says, I'll bless the labors of your hands. And when we labor, guess what? Your job is a means. It's not your source. God is your source. And he can produce a supernatural means to come out of that when we trust him. You know, it talks about how during a time of drought, who was it? Was it Jacob that planted? Can't remember the Old Testament individual. But he planted a time of uh, famine, a, a time of a drought, and produced a harvest. Why? Because he went out and he did the natural thing Trusting God because God told him to and it produced a supernatural result. That's how it works in your life and in my life. When we do what's naturally there to do, God will produce a supernatural uh, uh, outcome. Well, let's look at this. In Galatians, the fourth chapter, maybe I better get to Galatians. The fourth chapter in the twenty. Third verse. But he, who is, <clears throat> but he who is of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbols? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Zion which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Zion in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the woman, or which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are in labor. For the desolate have many more children than she who has a husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was the child of promise, you see, we're of the new covenant. We're of the covenant of promise. And do we still operate? Do we still do things in the natural? Of course we do, we're here in this physical world. (laughs) But we have a different expectation. And that expectation isn't just simply, I put a seed in the ground and something's gonna grow. No, we're expecting an abundance of harvest. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a a husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Even so, it is now. You know, I, I, I think about the prodigal son. And you know, <clears throat> the prodigal son is a type of the lost or the backslidden that finds their way back to the father. And the father is a type of almighty God, our father, our heavenly father. And so if we, if we follow the typology correctly, if the father is a type of God, and the prodigal is a type of the lost or the backslidden, then the older brother is a type of the church. And you notice, when the prodigal came back, because what did the prodigal do? He operated in the flesh, and what did he do in the flesh? He lost everything. And after he had lost everything, he says he came to a census, and he says, even my father's servants, slaves, have more than enough. I'm gonna to return to my father, I'm gonna say, father, I'm no longer worthy to even be considered your son, just treat me as one of your servants. And he went back to his father and that's exactly what he said. And the father says, we'll have none of it. Bring a ring for his finger Bring sandals for his feet. Bring a robe. Go kill the fatted calf. This son of mine that was lost has been found. That's a supernatural act because in the natural, he lost everything. When we repented and we came back to Jesus, when we came to God, maybe for the first time, it was he that was calling for us. It was he that was reaching out to us. And he restored to us, he brought us into the fold to give us life, to give us life more abundantly. But I don't know how it was in your conversion, but in mine, all the religious people that I thought would be so happy that I'd finally come to Jesus were angry with me. Why? because in their opinion, I was saying what you have isn't enough because I'd received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Guess what happens within the church today? You begin to preach Jesus Christ and he crucified. You begin to preach that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there is no other way to the Father but through Jesus. And the church will persecute you. Because who are you to say that there is one way? I'm not. The word says it, God says it. Does he desire for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth? Of course he does. But he is the only way. And again, you can call me narrow-minded. I'm not narrow-minded, it's the way that is narrow. And the way is Jesus, and through Jesus alone that we find salvation. There are not multiple ways to God. There is but one. And so, what happened with the the older son? He wouldn't even go in and celebrate. Why, because I've served you all of these years and you've not even given me a kid to celebrate, goat kid to celebrate with my friends. You know, and we realize that as God, a supernatural God that brings blessing in our lives, we'll finally be able to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. We don't weep with those that weep because we think they deserve it. And we don't rejoice with those that rejoice because we think, why do they get it and not me? I've been more faithful than they. But when we realize that we serve a supernatural God that serves us in a supernatural way and brings supernatural blessings into our life, all at once we will be able to rejoice with others and will long for others to have even more. Now we brethren, as Isaac was was a child of promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Those that are born of the flesh persecute those that are born of the spirit. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her servant and her son. For the son of the bond uh, woman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So that then, brethren, we are not children of the bond woman, but of the free. You know what the struggle is, is oftentimes, we still see ourselves as bound. You know what, if I would've accepted the lie yesterday, I would've been bound, I'd be up here this morning, how are you all doing today? But it's not of the bound, it's of the free. And so each and every one of us, were of the free, not of the bond. Let's go back to Romans, the fourth chapter again. And let's begin reading this time in verse twenty-one. Romans four twenty-one. Not Romans, Mark. Romans is really good too. I thought that chapter seemed too short. Also he said to them, "Is a lamp brought to be put under a bush, a basket, or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that should not be in the light. If anyone hear and has ears to hear, Let him hear. Do you realize that nothing has been hid from you or me? That it's been revealed? Why? It's been revealed so that we can can walk in it. Like I said earlier, within that seed is the potential of everything that that plant is to become. Within you, the seed Jesus was planted, and within that seed, by the way, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. was with, Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, within that seed, is the potential of everything that you and I are to become in life. Within that seed is love, joy, peace. Patience, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, all of that is within that seed. Within that seed is healing, prosperity, deliverance. All of it is within that seed. And oftentimes we're out here trying to find it, but it's within because it's the seed that has been planted within each of us and within our hearts. Got to find my place, because I lost track. For whoever has, let me back up a little bit. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Okay, we're to have ear in ear, hearing ears, but he says, take heed what you hear. Why would he say that? Because there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices out there, and a lot of those voices, what they wanna do is steal the reality of Jesus out of your life. They'll say, well, that's, that's no longer for today. We don't need the gifts of the Spirit today. You know, we've, we've learned how to speak in languages, and so we don't need tongues. It's not even talking about that when it's talking about tongues, but that's what they use. We don't need healing today because we've got doctors and medicine and so forth. So it's no longer needed, needful today. Well, you know what? I, I, there's incurable diseases today that there's no answer for other than the healing power of God. Well, we don't, you know, we don't need prosperity today. Because God has given us the means by which to gain wealth. So we don't don't need prosperity. You go tell that to some of the people in third world countries. You say, well, pastor, I have enough. And you're going to settle for that. You selfish, uncaring thing, you. You. Because if you've got enough to meet your needs, praise God, that means now you can start meeting somebody else's need. Because within the kingdom of God, wait, where? I'd love to be a millionaire. I think it'd be even better to be a billionaire. Well, you're just lustful. I'd probably live in the same house and drive the same 07 Lexus. But can you imagine what you'd be able to do? Isn't it interesting how all these Hollywood folk, rich folk, make this great sacrifice and have fundraisers to get your money? Well, if they're so loving, why don't they live in a house like me and sell their mansion and give them money to meet somebody else's need? You know why? Because they're not doing it by the Spirit. Trying to work it out through the flesh. See, I I think God could trust me with a million bucks. If you couldn't, Becky would straighten me out. (laughs) But I really believe I would use it for his glory. And so if your needs are met, thank God. Continue to work, work harder, that you have more to give into the kingdom because there are so many that have not yet heard the truth, the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are areas of this world that people are in dire need. Not not to go on a vacation, but they don't have enough to eat. We have the privilege of being so blessed. And so we should expect God to grant us that increase so that we can touch the lives of others. Verse 24. Forever has to him more will be given. Well, I guess that's 25. I guess I was just in a hurry to get there. 24. Forever has to him more will be given. I'd read that again, didn't I? Must be the Holy Ghost. I like that. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear, With the same measure you use that will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Notice what he's talking about. He's talking about hearing. What's he talking about? Hearing. Hearing the word of God. More will be given. More what? More revelation. The more revelation we get, the more we'll see in the natural. For whoever has, more will be given but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. That sounds very unfair. That's very politically incorrect. But what he's saying is, if we don't continue in the word of God, even what we have, we're not gonna sustain it. We're not gonna maintain it. But as we continue to grow in the word of God, we're gonna experience increase beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. And it comes through him. It isn't about us. In Galatians 6, 7, it says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he's gonna reap. We oftentimes use this when we take up an offering, don't be deceived. God's not mocked, whatever you sow, you're gonna reap, so you better give your best gift today. But you know what, he's talking about everything in our life. Don't be deceived. God's not, whatever a man sows, that's what he's gonna reap. And what's been sowing in your life, if you're, if you're allowing the world to rule you, you're gonna reap accordingly. But when you're sowing into your life the Word of God, the abundance of the Word of God, it's going to produce increase in every area so we've got these bags of seed sowing as the word of god and when we allow that seed to be sown into our lives it's going to produce a harvest it's going to produce an increase in each of our lives First Peter, the first chapter in the 23rd verse, it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That seed in your life and in my life, it lives and abides forever that means it's never going to change and that's why we have comfort in life that's why we know that we have eternal life it's because of the seed that's been sown in our life because it's an eternal seed and the thing about that eternal seed that works in your life and my life right now it's not all of a sudden going to come to an end He's going to continue to produce in your life and in my life. In 2 Peter, the first chapter and the third. Well, <clears throat> let's start in the first verse because our second verse because I like it so much. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Grace and peace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of God. The more we know of God, the greater measure of grace and peace that we experience in our lives the more of the graces of God we experience in our life are a direct result of the knowledge, knowing what Jesus has done for us. All the years that you and I have been saved, healing, prosperity, peace, joy, all the attributes of God have been available to us because they were imparted into our life through the grace of God the moment that we were born again. But we didn't know about it. And even though it was there, we didn't experience it. Just like the button on the keychain of Pastor Becky's car, that all you have to do is. Click twice, lock the door and push this button and the car starts up and warms up for you. It was there for the year and a half that we had the car. But I didn't know it until somebody showed me and gave me knowledge that all I have to do is sit in the, ho- in the, car- in the house, push that button and watch the light go on and my car is warming up. Don't tell me lack of knowledge doesn't hurt you. I could have froze a finger. (laughs) Don't tell me lack of knowledge doesn't hurt us when our needs aren't being met. Don't tell me lack of knowledge doesn't hurt us when we're suffering with pain of some type in our body. Don't tell me. Because he says that that grace and mercy, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what it means when a preacher looks at a clock, don't you? Absolutely Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Verse 3. As his divine power, hear this, listen to this. It's not through your ability. As his divine power has given to us all things. How about say all things? all things pertaining to life and godliness godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. My, 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 my. That's amazing. It's so amazing, I'm gonna read it again. As his, 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 not yours, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Who's the him? It's Jesus. Who's the word? Jesus. John 1, 1 and 14 it says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus, And the word, Jesus, was with us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If Jesus, our brother, is on the inside of us, we're full of it. You're full of it. You're full of grace, and you're full of truth. Because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is grace. And Jesus lives on the inside of us. It was prophetically spoken of in Isaiah. When, he, when Isaiah said, surely he is born our, well, let me read it. He has borne our grace and carried our sorrows. That's talking about Jesus. He's done it all for you and me. Acts 20, verse 32, it says, so now, brethren, I commend, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to, What is the word of God, his grace is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified, those who are holy? You are sanctified, you are holy, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you, full of grace. In truth. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of the law, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Day and night you shall think about it, continuously, day and night, that you may observe to do according to what is written in it, for then, when, after you've done this, for then you will make your way prosperous, and you'll have Good success. God wants you to have good success in every area of your life. And then one last passage. Colossians 3.16. It says, let. In other words, there's something we've got to do. We've got to allow it. Let. The word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And it's an interesting thing. When you've received grace... You can minister grace. You can give out grace. But if we don't have the knowledge of God's grace and mercy in our life, all that we can do is lash out in a natural way. You know, I used to think it was so bold so courageous when I'd see something and I'd lash out at it in my preaching and I realized that it was just the natural man trying to accomplish trying to motivate something that had a spiritual foundation and doesn't work. And that's why the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Because the grace, let me rephrase that. The goodness of God is a manifestation of the grace of God. And so we're to be gracious people. Why? Because of the grace of God in our lives. How do we show grace to one another? When we recognize the grace of God in our own life. But you know what? We'll never be able to demonstrate it until we know it. The way we come to know it is by believing it. Got to know it first. Believing it and accepting it and beginning to walk in it. Provision is in a seed. And that provision is for every area of our life. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your issue is, God's grace is sufficient we find that grace through His Word, as we find the appropriate word that applies to the situation. And as in Joshua, we we think on that word day and night. Because let me tell you something. You say, well, Pastor, I just have a hard time meditating. No, you don't. Every night, you meditate on the problem. You lay there with your head on the pillow. Wondering why you can't sleep. Knowing the reason you can't sleep is because you can't get your mind off of the problem, the issue. But let me tell you something. If you can meditate on the problem, you can meditate on the solution. And the solution is the Word of God. And what comes with it is sleep. It's rest. Rest when you begin to dwell upon Jesus' accomplishments rather than your failures, turns everything around. Hallelujah. I know of which I speak. Amen. You know him. Now come to know him. And the power of, res, of his resurrection. Come to know him as the God of peace, the God who'll never forsake you, the God who provides the victory. His name's Jesus. You know, it's not that difficult to get your mind directed towards him, just begin to speak the name. Because there's power in the name. And that power that's in that name is resurrection power that'll produce victory in every area of life. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He's better than that. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word that it's living. And Father, today, we declare that we're good ground. That that seed that has been planted in our hearts, it produces some 30, some 60, some 100. Father, we're not solid, hard ground. We're not full of rocks. We're not land that's filled with thistles. We're land that's been prepared to receive the seed and produce a fruitful harvest. And Father, we see that harvest manifesting all around us. We see it through healing. We see it through provision. We see it through the lies of others. And Father, we see it most of all in the peace that we're experiencing in our lives. Because we're free of slavery, we're of the free, not of the bound. And it's not because of our efforts. It's because of what you've done And Father, we thank you for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them.